This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Before and like a true jackass, I always forget to ask before I start recording how to correctly pronounce your last name. Birkenfield or Birkenfeld? Birkenfeld. Feld, okay. Birkenfeld. Okay. Bradley Birkenfeld, author of Lucifer's Banker, who, if I could put it into like a, a short, concise way, uh, I have on Dale Comstock a lot. Youngest ever member of Delta Force was in the CIA Special Activities Division, real life black ops ship, and he was a mercenary. And after those mercenaries failed in Haiti or wherever, I remember he said, you know, if you don't survive the mission to spend your money, then it doesn't matter how badass you looked. It, it was all for naught. And I think about Jordan Belfort's story, and it's sexy all the way through, and then it's like, oh, but you got fucked at the end. And then your book, which is on Audible, <laughs> and I put it in the description, is the opposite. You you come out at the end with the fucking, with the trophy, and it's like, oh, this guy did it. You, you're the cool mercenary. You survived. But please introduce yourself, man. Sure. Uh, it's great to be here, Tom, on your show. My name's Brad Birkenfeld. The author of Lucifer's Banker Uncensored, that was the second edition. We put uh, additional information in there for your audience. Why? Because what had happened with not only um, Kevin Costner and Leonard Lauder, who were tax cheats, but also um, uh, Hunter Biden. And it's an interesting part of my book where you might say, well, what's that have to do with UBS? Well, his psychiatrist wanted to be a whistleblower, and we talk about it in the in that chapter. But... Uh, the the story really revolves around probably the most, well, not probably, definitely the largest and longest running tax scandal in the world. Uh, this involved 19,000 Americans, millionaires and billionaires, who were hiding their money for decades at UBS in Switzerland, whether it was Lugano, Geneva, or Zurich. Now, you had to be pretty rich just in general in America, but then you had to be ultra rich to put additional monies offshore in hidden numbered bank accounts, as these people did. Again, 19000 $20 billion in assets. That was just one market, the United States, with one bank, UBS. Now, for your audience to understand the complexity and the magnitude of what I'm talking about, let's put a few facts on the table. Switzerland is about 8 million people, give or take, the whole country. Now, in... Geneva, there were about 135 banks when I left there in 2008. Today, there's about 75. So you can imagine about a third of their banking industry has been whacked, whether they've gone bankrupt, they've merged, they've sold, and so forth. Now, that's important to understand because when I tell you 19,000 Americans, so that's one market with one bank, there was 135 banks in one city. So you begin to realize, wait a minute, this is Peru, Mexico, Japan, Germany, Italy, France, Spain, Hungary, you name it. They were marketing around the world to uh, rich clients who are doing cross-border business. So it's really quite fascinating. You're cheating the tax man. You're cheating your wife or spouse. Uh, you're cheating your business partner. And why this is important, it's not just about saying, okay, it'd be great to have low taxes. Yeah, everybody wants to pay zero tax. Well, we can't all live in Monaco, 
Okay, I got it. But on the other hand, when we pay our taxes, we want something back for it. Yeah. We want we don't just want to be slapped around by these idiots in Washington who can't even tie their shoes. And the problem is is that's why people get upset. You don't mind paying taxes in Denmark when you get free health care that works, you get free education that works. But in America they keep talking about this this Wizard of Oz fantasy, which will never happen because the country's too big to manage effectively. Three hundred and fifty million people, you can't even agree on little things so forget about the big issues so the point being is switzerland started this banking business in a very unusual way now for your audience again and then just chime in here when you want to uh, add something or question something in 1933 when the third reich came to power hitler ordered anyone to be shot if they moved a fennec uh, meaning a penny out of the country now you might be saying well why was that well, because they were building for the war effort, they needed every bit of money they could handle. In 1934, the next year, Switzerland in Article 47 passed a law that said we will never disclose the identity of someone who opens a bank account with us. So that was giving people free reign to come over and thumb their nose at the Germans. Well, they were playing both sides of the fence, the Swiss, because ultimately Germany agreed not to invade Switzerland because Switzerland would have blown up all the um, railway lines and the tunnels, which gave them access from Germany, demographically, to Italy and the North African theater. So if you look at it from that perspective, you say, hmm, I see what was going on at that time. Okay. Then what happened was, who was going to trade with Germany for cocoa, sugar, timber, whatever? Oh, well, it wasn't going to be Belgium, wasn't France, wasn't England. So who was it? It was the Swiss. So the Swiss played both sides of that fence. One, they said, we have bank secrecy, but on the other side, we're going to take your gold and looted artwork and all this bullshit and say we're clean and neutral and all that. It's it's uh, when you said chime in or ask questions. I normally anyone that watches this podcast knows I normally never shut up. So I am. But I'm. So I'm just enthralled right now to listen to you. So if I'm not talking, it's not because I'm not interested. It's a rarity for me to shut up. So I'm just li- I'm, <laughs> I'm just listening to you go, man. Keep going. So this this is like a freight train. So you can imagine this is World War II. This is Hitler. This is the Nazi regime. All of this stuff, the Holocaust, and so on and so forth. And it's a very sensitive issue for a lot of people. They lost loved ones and this and that. You had people who fought the war. It's I mean this was World War at its worst. Okay, but the Swiss were neutral, and there was this little island in the middle of Europe. Now, after World War II, what happened? Well, of course, they tried to run and chase down some of these Nazi sympathizers and the Nazi regime. Some of them succeeded, and some people killed themselves. You know, Goering killed himself in jail. Uh, Hitler killed himself, and so on and so forth. Okay, so it was a very dark time in Europe in 1945. The war was over. What had happened? Germany was decimated. France was still sort of struggling. France, uh, Spain as well. Italy after Mussolini. The history is quite fascinating. And why do I tie the history? The history is very important here. Because after World War II, what happened? We had a global uh, growth, if you will, a cross-border businesses that just flourished. Whether you were in the hotel business or import and export business or in mining business or whatever it might be. Because what happened at that point, if you can think back to that time, it was before we were alive, of course, But then there was this growth period. They had to rebuild Europe through the Marshall Plan. But then all of a sudden, this idea of growing and making money made sense on a global basis. It wasn't just you're isolated in your own country. Okay, so what happened was Swiss bank secrecy made sense. 
Now, Swiss bank secrecy is similar or analogous to attorney-client privilege, medical privilege, clergy privilege, and so forth. Now, you might say, well, geez, that's an interesting concept. But the problem here is the Swiss took advantage of Swiss bank secrecy and started taking in dictators, porno stars, drug dealers, arms smugglers, the list goes on, insider trading, extortion, bribery, because why? It was untraceable. You could come into Switzerland, walk into a bank, take out a half a million in cash, and they'd never ask you a question. Now, I tested it in 2000, or 1999, excuse me, when I went into Credit Suisse and took out 300,000 Swiss francs to buy a Ferrari. No questions asked, not where did you get the money, what are you doing with it, why are you taking it in cash, no. Just a cup of coffee, a money counter, and a passport. And I signed for it. And I got walked out the door, got in a taxi, went to the Ferrari dealer, handed them the money. Not, where did you get it? What are you doing? Nope. Money counter, welcome to the Ferrari family. And you got to ask yourself, 300 grand in 1,000 Swiss franc bills. So it was maybe about an inch, maybe 300,000. So... I give you this story because the story is very compelling because, you know, this this doesn't happen anymore. You can't do it because of my whistleblowing, obviously. But also, I tried it once going to an ATM machine in Switzerland. Now, I went to my uh, UBS account, and I put my card in at about 9 o'clock at night, and I punched in 20,000 Swiss francs. Within three seconds, it punched out 20,000 Swiss francs in cash. It's, pardon me, ATM machine. So... Whether you walk into a bank and take cash or deposit cash, whether you go to an ATM and take out cash, it was a cash society. They live and die by this. You could, And then I took a thousand Swiss franc note and went and bought a packet of gum. The guy didn't even blink an eye. He didn't say, what the hell are you giving me a bill of this size for? Nope. He gave me 995 plus chains back on the spot, no questions asked. Now, I'm sure you've been in London. You give the guy 50 quid to, for a taxi cab ride, the guy panics. He thinks you're some drug dealer. Yeah. I'm like, dude, the, the bill was 32 pounds. I'm going to give you five pound tip. I mean, so you give me back about 12 pounds. Yeah. Well, what's the big issue? I'm telling you, I've been taking out cash like, like there's no tomorrow in a Swiss society. So, again, 135 banks, 200,000 people in Geneva, about. I mean, there's more banks than, than parking meters. I mean, it's insane. So you begin to realize that banking runs the country. Why? The airline industry, the luxury hotel industry, the watch industry, the fine restaurants, furs, sports cars, chalets, private jets, private yachts, all emanate from a Swiss society in which they either have an offshore company set up through Switzerland and or the bankable assets are in Switzerland because you have Swiss bank secrecy at the time, numbered accounts, and that's how people hid behind this for years. CIA was exposed for years doing this. Of course. You could go, I mean, they would, they would use these accounts. They'll see this is the problem. The U.S. government and the Swiss government are in bed together because for years after World War II and during the war, they were all funneling through Switzerland. There was all kinds of nonsense between the Russians and the Americans and so forth and the Germans. But here's the problem. So the Americans were actually as guilty as everybody else because they were doing this and they were doing it for years. CIA yeah. exposed in my book, Abdulaziz Abbas. It's... The guy had $420 million in six numbered accounts. 
your you have a great line in the book. I mean, amongst many is uh, <clears throat> you know, there's a reason why the Axis or the Allied never bombed Switzerland. Who'd be dumb enough to bomb your own bank? It's, exactly. Right? right? It's just like <laughs> yeah, it's just like yeah, no, we're not going to do it, right? It's like Northrop Grumman or something, right? Yeah, we'll provide arms here, we'll provide arms there. You need a B two stealth bomber, you need a radar system. I'm like, come on, guys, like we can all. I mean, on the you know on the surface, it's like, well, we will destroy, we will destroy the Taliban. But it's like, ooh, if we're giving them MRAPs, we need some more MRAPs. Like, <laughs> exactly. I mean, if if if, you're, if they're having parades out there, I tell you, this is another just off point for a moment. If you get the Taliban having parades about taking all these arms, and you can have drones operated fifteen thousand miles away. Why are you taking these people out? It's it's to me the biggest the biggest glaring thing is when they were all in like the president's palace with their pictures, and it's like yes. they're all right there. They're right there. Four cruise missiles. Need one, just a JDAM, just fucking coming in at supersonic speeds, airburst level. The fact that that didn't happen, I don't know. Something's fucky. Well, it shows you that the military is controlling the puppet strings at the White House, and the White House is out to lunch again. And the problem here is the military establishment makes so much money, and we're not going to turn off that valve of flowing money to their military. You could have wiped these guys out. You could have had satellites watching these guys. You could have guys on the ground giving you surveillance and intelligence and say, hit these six targets and you're going to wipe out 80 percent of these guys. Well, hey, Why didn't it happen? If I if I'm selling if I'm selling a, you know, particle board and, you know, and two by fours and there are some Antifa riots going on, some BLM riots. <laughs> I don't know how much I'm going to be out there campaigning, saying we need civil. We need civil. Uh, we need uh, reorder in society. I'm making bank bordering up these McDonald's and ATMs. I don't condone it, but you know I don't mind it when a cinder block goes through a window because we're printing money. And the insurance company will pay the claim. Yeah, yeah, and they're all. And and what does it matter? You get up to the tip top of the Iron Triangle, and it's all going to Switzerland. And just hey, it's. We're down here arguing about the monopoly money, but the guys who are selling the boards are just like, just keep keep playing, keep playing. Keep it going, exactly. And that was the thing in Switzerland. What I started to notice was that everybody's in bed with everyone else. Mm-hmm. The accountants, the lawyers, the bankers, the politicians. And then you begin to ask yourself, wait a minute, there's something really wrong here. What I said in my book was when the trains are on time, the streets are super clean. The food is gourmet. The skiing's amazing. The watches are perfect. When everything's right, there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. It's when every right. It's when you have that dream when everything's working really well, and then you're like, you're like, hold on. Like, I mean, just working on this podcast. I mean, I've had dreams where I'm like, you know, I'm like calling my mom. I'm like, I'm so excited. I'm going on Joe Rogan, and I'm sitting there with a hot girl. And then I, well, I'm like, wait, where did I meet this girl? And I'm like, wait. <laughs> Since when do I have Joe Rogan's number? I don't have a Lamborghini. And then you wake up in bed. You go, fuck. <laughs> right? It's That's what everything's perfect. And it's like something's going on. And I mean, to not to spoil it for the listener, but like the memo, right? You you find the memo and it's like, there's the there's the insurance policy. There's the yep. there's the sword resting right on my neck. Right. Yep. And, and, and I and I was only American there. It was all Swiss. They were. Yeah. All had UBS salaries, UBS car loans, UBS schools, UBS salaries. And you think these guys are dumb enough to 
Well, they weren't dumb, but they weren't going to say anything. Now, for me, I saw what they were doing. They were setting us up to fall and to fail. So I said, I was never trained on this document. I was never told about this document. I want an answer to the document. They said, well, you're not getting an answer. I said, well, (laughs) funny enough, I will get an answer. You may not like it, but I will get an answer. And when I sent it to legal and compliance three straight months, I got no answer. It's all documented. I have all the documents. It's there. I gave it to the Senate. I gave it to the IRS, the SEC, the DOJ. DOJ was in bed with these assholes because the DOJ is as useless and incompetent and corrupt as they come. Case after case you're hearing now with the DOJ. I mean, go go read a couple of books called License to Lie by Sidney Powell, fantastic, or The Chicken Shit Club, another great book about the DOJ incompetence, um, and even uh, The Book of Honor by Ted Gupp. These are books I've read. And why do I tell it to you and your audience? Because it shows you these are people who worked there. They were career people. And when you begin to realize that the system is so corrupt, when's the last time you saw a DOJ individual, prosecutor, or an FBI agent prosecuted and sent to jail? No. Rarely. I mean, yeah. yeah well, I mean, because the judges protect them and the prosecutors protect them. Oh, it's one of our own. Well, maybe someone should just put a bullet in their head. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. It's a big club and you ain't in it, right? It's Exactly. Yeah. Oh, but if it was you and you got caught with that dime bag of marijuana 10 years ago, you're going down. You're done. It, you're over. Right. They, but but yet these guys are hiding evidence and, and fabricating stories in front, of, in, in front of judges. In my case, they lied to Congress. They lied to a federal judge. I mean, I mean the whole thing should be thrown out. But the point being is that how is it that the guy that gave you the whole story Everything, the largest and longest running tax scandal in the world. And that's the only guy you put in jail? It's, it's, I, I, you know, I just, I just listened to a book called The Spider. It's about uh, Jeffrey Epstein. And on one of his, you know, mansions, you know, on like on his payroll, where it's just like these local cops in Florida or something. And this little, and this young girl was there. She was like 14 and she realized that Epstein, I mean, real, just kind of bone chilling shit. But she goes into the bathroom and calls the cops. And the police department, who knew that their guys would, like, moonlight for Epstein, and this is back, like, early 2000s, and they're making, like, five times as much per hour moonlighting on his property than they are on their squad cars. They get the call, and they're like, oh, yeah, sure, we'll, we'll you know, they don't say shit. And it's like, that's what it's like, right? You're, you're calling, you're going, hey, uh, I need a police officer here. And the person you're calling is the person who has a vested interest in that guy not going down, right? It's yeah. It's, 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 yeah, you're, you're calling, right? It's like, who was that head guy in the CIA? Like uh, Kim Philby, right? The huge defector. It's like people were, or, uh, or, um, was it, um, fuck, what was the, there's his initials were AA. I don't remember the other guy, but all the time people were like confessing it. They're like, Hey man, I think there's a KGB mole here. And they'd be like, thank you for telling me. But then they were double agents for the KGB (laughs) and you, you you get called back to Moscow and just done right yeah well i mean i'll give you two great examples which are uh, apropos to my case when i went into the fbi in boston that was the same fbi office at that very time in 1994 93 that was covering for whitey bulger that was the same fbi office and these guys said you know you, you you think you know so much i said what do you mean the last time i checked your job was to enforce the law so don't be barking at me. And then they came full circle and said, I said, you're going to get Department of Labor involved here. And I said, why? I said, because it's a risk and pension fund money. 
You've got to, they're, they're, they're the ones who, that agency controls that. A week later, they offered me a job. I said, are you out of your mind? This is the last place on the planet I'd want to work. You guys walk around with guns and badges and you think you're tough guys? You're not tough guys. So the next time I came in and I had a license to carry concealed. So I registered at the front desk with the FBI, which is normal. You get a receipt, they take out the clip and so forth, and it's all legal. And uh, they come storming into the room like, what are you doing carrying an arm in here? I said, I have something called a license. I am authorized by the state of Massachusetts to carry concealed. What's your next question? I mean, you know, it was like, I'm the bad guy. And it just shows them that they're, if they don't have something over you, then they're just, they're, their incompetence shows through. I'll give you another example. The guy who signed uh, the court documents in Florida against me, the U.S. attorney, was Acosta. The same guy that get let upside off the hook. I mean, this is the kind of shit that goes on. So if I'm such a bad guy and you want to put only me in jail who gave you the biggest case of your career and you fucked it up, then why the IRS pay me $104 million? And that... Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details to me is the beautiful arc that's and i think what you did was was brilliant and it showed you know when you're first talking to the guys and you could tell that they had a stick up their ass you know they're like you're just a whistleblower you're just chasing money and you're like why is this guy why are they so angry and then you what you do is i think what you did was brilliant in the same way that like you know snowden you know like him or not just whatever you know dumped it all made himself known and then dipped out what you did was you have to sort of you can't just pull down one curtain right you got to hold on to like 10 so they all come down right so it's you know you go to this you're like i want the subpoena we're going to the senate then he's like what the fuck are you doing going to the senate and you realize oh like that girl calling the cops and epstein you know if she called four police departments that's when you go not only would someone else come but they'd go why did that police department not act and that's how you so you fucked them up with that well, you you hit the nail on the head. So many people miss that point. The point was, as more people you tell, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. Yes. And I knew the DOJ was so hostile and angry. Why? Because where the fuck have you been for the last 50 years? Stop yeah. eating donuts and do your job. Well, now, that's the first thing. You need to uncover it. That's your job. You're, you're detectives, right? You're big tax yeah. guy. Yeah. Okay. But you didn't uncover it. Well, this is going on under your nose. So it took me to come in here for me, not only to tell you, but then to educate you because you're so stupid and then you still fucked it up. So then, oh, I see what's going on here. So the upper ups over at Treasury and White House said, hey, kibosh this. So Hillary had all of her donors over there. And out of 19,000 names, Thomas, she only gets 4,700. Now, what what was that, like a a fishbowl? You just put your hand in and pull names out? Who picked the names? Do we know they really got 4,700 names? 4,700 names is a 75% failure rate. Quick math. So if you fail 75% of the time, I guarantee you're out of a job. So Hillary 
doesn't get all 19,000 names. Why? Oh, that's right. It would be the Leonard Lauders, who is a tax cheat, and I've sued him, and his mother, Estee Lauder, who was my account at the bank. She's a tax fraud. Should call her Estee Frauder. Kevin Costner, another tax cheat. I had this information. I gave it to the SEC, the IRS, the DOJ, the U.S. Senate. And if it was wrong, they should have uh, prosecuted me for lying, but they didn't. They gave me a one-count conspiracy charge for, to commit tax evasion by opening an account for some guy in California. Which brings us to the next point. Why wasn't I tried in California? Why did you pick Florida? Oh, that's right. A cost was down there. And you could fix the courts. And you forum shopped it. You're all full of shit. The whole DOJ is full of shit. And you know something? If there's some good people there, you're not good. Because if you see this stuff and you don't report it, then you're as bad as the guys who are doing it. All it takes for evil to flourish is for good men to do nothing. It's, uh, I mean, it's, right, there's like two tiers to it, right? The first is incompetence. You're like, oh, these guys are all, you know, butthurt. It'd be like if somebody emailed me and they're like, hey, Tommy, I got you on Joe Rogan's podcast. I'd be excited, but, you know, there'd also be kind of be like a backhand insult. It'd be like, how, how come you didn't get yourself on there, right? I don't know if that's the best example. But the point is, is incompetence is one, sure. Hey, here's this thing that you didn't find, and it's like, oh. But then there's always, and this is what I always, this is what I always bring up on this podcast, is there's incompetence, but incompetence is like you're giving someone the benefit of the doubt when you use incompetence because what it really is is malicious competence because then you go, well, what's the other alternative? Well, maybe who's above them? At, who are the secretaries of these departments and these agencies at the White House? Huh. What do you need for a campaign? The most money to win. Who has the money? I don't know. These motherfuckers in the Swiss banks. And it just goes, exactly. you go, oh, oh, I'm I'm telling Jeffrey Epstein that I, somebody named Epstein raped me. Yeah. And this is and this is exactly the point. So you get to a, a, a society that people don't really don't understand, but you've touched upon it perfectly in so much as at the highest levels, there are so many favors that have to be paid back. It's all and, it's all uh, it is. It's, that's all it is. Whether you get an ambassadorship, you get an appointment to the DOJ, an FBI position, whatever. Tell me why James Comey is on the was on the board of the HSBC. A British bank. Why? That laundered Why money you... for Hezbollah. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, geez, by the way, the, the, the drug cartel under Loretta Lynch that got caught and fined $1.9 billion, nobody went to jail. <laughs> nobody went to jail. Dick Cheney was the former CEO of Halliburton who got $40 billion in construction contracts from the Iraq war. Ain't that a coincidence? <laughs> I, what, a, what a shocker. And the, and the fact of the matter is, when you look at all of these cozy deals, Republicans and Democrats, oh, yeah. you begin to think to yourself, why are, why are Americans angry? That's why they're angry, because they know no one up there gives a damn about them. They argue and bicker about abortion and offshore drilling and taxes, high or low, and, um, and all of these immigration issues, but nothing really gets done. Yeah. So in the end, we suffer because we say, "Oh, we're going to go and vote." Vote. Well, if you need a if you need a, a vaccination card to get on a plane or go in a restaurant, can't you use the same vaccination to vote? No, that's racist. Oh God, wouldn't want that. Yeah, it's hey, Gee, I I've been... you have to prove that they're Thomas, you know. And and, and I said that to someone that's off the beaten path of my story, but it's important. Yeah, no, it it's, shows it how corporate it is because what happens here is. 
if if you don't have a passport, you don't have a driver's license, you're probably on government aid. And that's fine. Okay, yeah, I get sure. it. Yeah. But but how do you how do you cash a government check without an ID? How do you get a prescription drug without an ID? So this whole story about oh you can't force people to have IDs is bullshit. It is the biggest hogwash story I've ever heard. In Europe, everyone's gonna show an ID to vote. I live in Europe and everyone's everyone's like, well, what's this story in America about you don't have an ID? I'm like, it is a scam. It's, it's the it, biggest It's entirely scam. fomented. Because that's the thing though, is if I don't know if you ever seen that video. This is there's this guy that went to like Berkeley or something and uh and, and as you said, getting off the beaten path. No, it, there's there's no structure of this podcast. It goes anywhere, it doesn't matter. It's do whatever the fuck we want. Is it <laughs> you this guy goes to Berkeley and he asks all around, he's like, Why do you think voter ideas are racist? And you just see uh, what looks just like a casting central casting of like Berkeley Union. It's like, Well, um, you know, my, minorities uh, they often have a difficult time getting their ID or you know, they don't have internet access, which is just the most veiled racist shit ever that you don't think that and then he goes to Harlem and he goes he starts playing them these videos and he goes do you have an ID and you see all these black people and they get, they're like yeah I get, what the fuck yeah and so he goes do you know where the DMV is guys like four blocks down two blocks to the right what are you talking of course I got an idea you dumb <laughs> like and it's you realize it can be done it, there's some people that as you said in your book no one gives a fuck about the border it's as long as they can pull the lever then that's what you want it has nothing to do that's with it. ID nobody gives a shit Exactly. And no one gave a shit about offshore banking until I threw a hand grenade in the middle of the fireworks and forced them to do something about it. See, that's the key. I forced them to, to, as you said, I pulled not just the curtain down, all the curtains down. I said, now you're all naked. So now you see everything. And what what was essential to my success, in my opinion, I could see the infighting between DOJ, IRS, U.S. Senate. Because they hated it. Everybody wants to get the credit. Of course. That's the way it works. Yeah. So I said, okay, we're going to let the snakes eat each other. And that's exactly what I did. I just let them eat each other. You know, there's a, there's some beautiful, there's some poetic uh, uh, symbolism, right? You know, like in your book, you know, I think you just froze up. Bradley, you there? Oh, no. You, you're, yeah, I'm with you. Okay, sorry. Your image just froze up. Um, yeah, pantsing people, right? That's kind of what you're doing with this. It's just you just took it to the next level. You just pants to the next level. You just did it at an international trillion dollar level where they get all the drinks and then you pants them. And it's you just took it up a notch. You just fucking jumped it from the bar to you know UBS, and it's like bold that's move, it. but you know that's that's what you did. And these guys never expected it. That's the that's the element. And what I did was I was so protective in what I was doing. I was hiding documents across the border in France. Mm-hmm. I was not using my mobile phone. I was not using my home computer. I was going to pay phones and making phone calls. And I was changing pay phones yeah. throughout Geneva. I mean, this was like, really, I was just really covering my tracks. But then I, I didn't figure my own government was going to attack me. But they were, they're the ones who had a vested interest because all their political donors and rich buddies... Millionaires and billionaires were taking care of them and said, who is this fucking kid fucking everything up for us? And that's where I, I was fresh out of friends. I didn't have the Swiss banks on my side or Swiss government. I didn't have the U.S. government on my side or any of the uh, people there or here. And the 19,000 people certainly didn't like me. So I'm saying to myself, I'm fresh out of friends. So I just had to, I had to carpet bomb everybody. And mm-hmm. that's what I did. And I continued to do it. I mean, I testified in the French trial, as I said. And the verdict on that, I mean, three to five billion euro. I mean, why is it that we can't have a trial and hold people accountable? And why is it that you you single out one guy, me, the guy who gave you everything, 
because you really didn't do your job? Oh, I see. So maybe you should just find the DOJ and hire people like me because I could do a better job than you could. It's You start to see that, yeah, it's you have to start playing this. I mean, like you talked about, right, Sun Tzu. It's like there's no – you can't – I'm playing a video game right now. It's it's what I I listen to audiobooks and I mute video games and that's how I, that's how I learn cuz I just kind of like you in jail you're like I'm going to make this fun. I make learning fun. I play video game. I shoot terrorists in the face while I'm learning about like Krupp Industries in the 1700s. And I'm like, "Oh, that's how Hitler rose to power." But they're like it's it's the the game I'm playing right now, you're like spec ops, you're taking down these military bases in Bolivia or some shit. It's not what doesn't not important. But there's really like two tactics you can take. You can go up with like a little drone and you can like tag everyone using thermal, right? And then you find the generator and you can use like an EMP, take out the generator. Then you take out the snipers and you can move in very methodically and you can do the entire thing without anyone knowing it was even there, without anyone knowing that you were shutting down the base. And it's just like a beautiful surgical game or... You can go, fuck it. You can go in with like a Cobra attack chopper and just start, you know, like ride of the Valkyries. Just start, you just start shooting missiles and like, it's a lot more fun. There's explosions, but it's not, it's not the tactical way. And you often don't win. You get killed. And that's, that's what you did is you can go out there going, I'm telling on everybody. I'm, and they'll find Bradley face down with a bullet in the back of his head. Or you can go in with the thermal scopes and, you know, you, you shoot for, you know, you aim for the king. You best not miss. Oh, that's yeah. what you did. And I, what I did, I was like a submarine, man. I came in, run silent, run deep. And I came in and I just started putting landmines out there. Mm-hmm. And these landmines started erupting because everybody was doing my dirty work. Yeah. The Senate did my work. The IRS did my work. The SEC did the work. And they, they were, ten, you know, puffed up and they thought they were so great. And I go to conferences now in Miami and New York and so forth. And I hold them accountable. They get up on stage and say, no. You don't even you don't even know what you're talking about. You're up here just, you know, slapping yourself on the back, giving yourself credit. Stop with the press releases at the DOJ and the IRS and the SEC. We don't need you to get up in front of a camera and have a press conference. Do your job. Why do you think you have to always get in front of the camera? Because you guys want to then get hired by a law firm. You're all full of shit. It's the same revolving circle. Nobody yeah, you you have to be known for what you did, right? It's Right. It's, like, oh, I'm, I'm going to put that little medal on my breast, and that that's what I did with that case. And Well, how about the cases you fucked up? Well, what should we do about that? Should we fire you or maybe prosecute you? How about that? We'll just, yeah, or we'll just throw you in a jail cell and arrest you and say you're an enemy of the state, which seems to be the running formula. <laughs> I, you know, I'm thinking now about kind of what, just back to what you're just saying, you know, you, you do all this thing and then you go back and then the, your home team fucks you. And you realize you're on your own with this hot potato it really is. There is some like Sun Tzu aspect to it where it's like, okay, well, they're all in bed with each other, right? And they probably are all in agreement that I should be dead. They're like, all right, we've gotten ourselves in a pickle. But it's like, you're right. What is the next thing? You use their own natural uh, kind of the pecking order. Not not only are they all in the same club, though, but, you know, like what people say, you know, how do we let 9-11 happen? It's, well, then. When you realize why you and your friends are, you know, seeing, you know, who can drink a beer faster, it's the same competitive nature. It's the CIA wants, they want the big story so they can get the funding and the FBI and the DOJ and DHS. And it's all pissing contests. It's all, everyone has their own little fiefdom. So if they're all aiming at you and you don't have an ally, what you can do is pit them against each other, right? 
Exactly. Hey, this. Hey, you're not covering that. DOJ, they're not covering this. And just you starting rumors about each other and everyone's pissed off. And now, I mean, dude, you, you've, you know, it's a shame that you didn't, you didn't fall through and stay in the military. We probably, yeah. well, I, I would have been good, but you know, I probably would have been, you know, in black ops doing something crazy, but that was exactly it. I was like, you know, said, Hey, you know, the IRS thinks that, you know, they got this case under control yeah. and they hate that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just, hey, you know, <laughs> Yeah, of course. Hey, he said you're a and, moron. Hey, she said you're ugly. Hey, she said that you have fake tits. Right. And then they're just... Oh, <laughs> oh, the snakes start eating each other, man. Fuck it. And uh, it was in a great movie. There was a great movie, Mississippi Burning, where they they played that game. They were playing one guy against everyone else and said, oh, you know, uh, Rupert, you know, your, your buddies are talking and you better come clean or we'll be coming for you. And then they set up this uh, fake um, lynching, hanging them and all that. I said, I'll talk, I'll talk. And it was just a, a farce. I don't know if you ever saw it. Mm-mm. Mississippi Burning. Great, great movie. Anyways, the thing is, is that what I realized out of this was, number one, what I did for banking in Switzerland was legal. Totally legal. Mm-hmm. I followed the Constitution. I followed the law. But I was the one who stopped it when I said, hey, wait a minute. There's something wrong here. You're asking us to do things that aren't legal here. And I need a legal opinion. I went to legal and compliance and no one answered me. So when I resigned, they're just like, well, what are you doing? I'm like, dude, I'm not paid to take this kind of risk. You know, I wasn't born yesterday. Sure, I get paid a lot of money, but this is just the game's over. I'm done. And and then they tried to uh, stop me. And then I said, where's my bonus? They wouldn't pay me my bonus, which was contractual. They owed it to me. So I sued them. People are like, are you out of your mind? Went to court and won. And here's the real sticking point. This is a very interesting thing. The judge in that case who authorized them to pay me, they said, well, we'll give you a hundred grand. I said, no, I'll go to trial. And then they just said, fuck it, just pay them because they didn't want to set precedent. So they gave me the 600 grand. Well, years later, when I got my whistleblowing award, whatever it was, what, uh, about eight years later, that same judge was interviewed and said, oh, I never would have authorized his payment if I knew what he was doing. Now, what the fuck does one have to do with the other? They're mutually exclusive. So for you to say that eight years later just shows that you're just a a, a total pathetic piece of shit. And that shows that the justice system in Switzerland is a joke. It's a total farce. That's why this country feels as though that they can always thumb their nose at people. And what I did was the first of its kind. Switzerland was never successfully invaded, ever. And then I come in as the American and just absolutely just, you know, went postal on everybody because... I mean, you should have seen people were losing their jobs. Compliance costs were going through the roof. Clients were leaving. And people were coming f- through the door and saying, hey, okay, okay, I'll, I'll give you up the goods. Well, it's a little late for that, isn't it? When you were doing it for so long and I was the one who took the heat for it. So, you know, I think now I look back and say, hey, you know, sorry. You know, you play with fire, you get burned. You know, there's – it's like right when you go to the uh... – when you go to the law firm and it's like, oh, that'd be a conflict of interest. You know, we're on their payroll and it's like, fuck. And then you go to the next one and, you know, they're all on the payroll. And like you said, it's like it's not like that they're all in the same drinking room together. It's it's just, you know, respect your enemy. It's a smart tactical move, right? They just they have sure. their fingers in all the pies. And that's what you see on the surface, right? Well, then you got to start to think how many how many things are happening below the surface? How many FBI agents are, you know? Yeah on the dole you don't do an investigation into us and not only that you let us know when there is an investigation so we can 
tighten or batten down the hatches, seal the windows. It's yep, that's exactly <sighs> right. But for them, I had too much information, yeah. and that information was outside the country, and they had played it too strong for too long and got too greedy. And I had everything. I had PowerPoint presentations. I, I mean, if you go on my website, you'll see the Senate reports. They're 300 pages. And they footnote me throughout the whole thing. But yet you wouldn't let me testify in public. Why? Because I would have destroyed everybody under oath. Raise your right hand. To this day, Thomas, to this day, they won't give me my own Senate testimony, which I gave for 10 hours. They won't give it to me. It's... I mean, what the fuck is that? It's, you know, I, uh, <clears throat> I, uh, last Friday, a week ago today, I got, uh, I got permanently banned from YouTube and, uh, I've, I've got, I've been getting, I've been, I know, but now it's just hilarious. Now I'm like, fuck it. It's I'm I'm proud. Right. It's, but I mean, so I had on Dr. Robert Malone, the inventor of the MRNA vaccine, the guy who invented the thing episode 495 and he's coming on talking about how it's not all that's cracked up to be there's a lot of bad things about it he's like there's a lot of good things about it but he's like there's a lot of like shit that we shouldn't be using and it's it's being censored and then i had on look bumble knows you're exhausted by dating all the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters and what do i even say other than hey <sighs> well that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Dr. Peter McCullough, who's the most published cardiologist in world history, and he was talking about these problems with myocarditis. And I kept getting these emails from YouTube saying, you know, you're spreading medical misinformation. And I'm thinking, like, dude, I am talking to the source it's not me talking yeah. to you know the local physician i'm talking to the guy who invented this and yeah it wasn't the witch doctor with the garlic around his neck and the yeah. candles around his bed and it's <laughs> you start to see you go and i've said this before and i'll and i'd say it now we're gonna see in a number of years i don't know when but we will see eventually that there is collusion between big pharma and big tech because if any alternative treatment comes up it means the emergency youth authorization is revoked which means that they can be sued for liable charges so why wouldn't you have the only news in town right the five or four big tech companies why wouldn't you have them squash anybody talking about anything else when they're hitting record profits moderna's market cap has doubled in the last 18 uh, 18 months it's yeah. it's it's you see and and face value you start to go why are they not doing this don't they know it's robert malone it's it must be a misunderstanding and then you start just like uh, oh they're just mad because these guys didn't figure the case out on their own and then you start to realize it's more along the lines of the higher ups are calling it down you go oh it's this isn't incompetence they know it and that's kind of what I feel like. I'm like, why am I getting, I, you know, I wrote an email to YouTube. I'm like, I, you know, I don't think I should be banned for this because this guy invented the mRNA vaccine. He's talking about how dangerous it is. And to me, that was you going and giving your report to the FBI. And they're like, thank you. And then you're like, what did I just do? That's how I feel. Is like. Oh. Exactly. And see, you're in the same boat, Thomas. And I think this is exactly where they're analogous is that you begin to realize that, you know, they're really not our friends. No. These guys up top uh, only give a shit about their career and going forward. And I, I've seen so many of these guys playing this game. I mean, it's it's incredible to me how 
when you see an FBI agent getting caught, there was one guy down, a DEA agent in New Orleans, who just got, I think, 12 years in jail. And I would have said to the judge, you know, judge, the very fact that if a guy does it, he gets 20 years, but this guy's an FBI agent, he's gone above and beyond the call of duty to undermine the legal system. That's his job to enforce the law. And he did the reverse. So that means not just didn't he do his job, but he broke the law. So that's a double whammy. But they don't give him the double whammy. Why? I mean, it's all these questions that just keep coming up. And you begin to ask yourself, Raul Vile, who was the head of the private bank, they indicted him and he didn't show up in the States. So he was a fugitive. So that was in 2009. That was to scare people to come in. Like, oh, we're getting all these people. A couple of years later, he goes to Bologna, Italy with his wife, boom. Interpol restaurant is still out there. The Italians didn't get the memo. Oh, fuck. Now he's in jail and they got to extradite. They hold a trial. Thomas, as the day is long, this is a true story. Not only did the DOJ refuse to call me to testify, I was the one who gave the name. I said, this is the head of the private bank. I gave him all the names. But then the defense for Vile didn't call me because they didn't want me to come in either. And the trial was in Florida in 2014. And I'm like, nobody's fucking calling me. I'm the guy who started the whole thing. But yet all the guys they gave secret non-prosecution agreements to, my two upper bosses, came back in and testified. And the jury said, this is a fucking hoax. You were all given secret non-prosecution agreements to just fucking say whatever the DOJ wants you to say. And he walked. And he was guilty of sin. So now we come back to France now. And he's in the shit there. So I'm in the court trial. There were 28 lawyers for UBS in that court trial. 28. Which means there was another 28 back in the offices. So if you're a UBS shareholder, I'm glad you're um, they're spending your money wisely. And I wrote a huge one-page article a day before the annual meeting this year. And put it in the Zurich newspaper. Whole, whole page. I sent it to UBS employees, clients, shareholders, and Swiss taxpayers. I said, why are you paying for these outrageous fines that the bank just keeps writing checks for? Thomas, you and I go rob Bank of America. We take $10 million tonight. Six months later, they catch us. We both say we're sorry. We give back eight. We keep one million each. I'll do that business all day long. But that's what the banks are doing. The profits they make from this illegal business don't even compare to the fines they get. So they keep doing it. No wonder there's no deterrent and there's a bad precedent. Further, all these legal fees to, to defend themselves, the Swiss taxpayers pay that because the UBS writes it off on their taxes. So people who had nothing to do with it are paying the bill for the legal fees. And the shareholders are paying the fines. They're like, what the fuck's going on here? That's why the banking system doesn't work. You put the you put Jerry Diamond in jail. I guarantee you, this shit will end real fast. And I'd have no problem indicting the guy. Indict him. Say, well, you're you're the head of the bank. Oh, you didn't know what was going on. Well, that means you shouldn't be in that position then, if you don't know what's going on. And that's the problem with the banking system. Um, um, Harry Markopoulos, a very good friend of mine who exposed Madoff. He's from Boston. Good guy. Good friend of mine. Whistleblower. Um, said the same thing. These guys just, it's, it's, it's ingrained, it's incestuous, the criminal conduct that's going on. And if you go on my website, I put the top 10, just the top 10 fines of UBS. Japan, Germany, US, England. It's, it's $6 billion. 
Why are they still in business? Well, because they're that six billion is the that it it right. It's like when like the Yankees like it's like there's a right there's a, isn't there like a penalty if you have like a higher payroll than and the Red Sox do it too, right? Yeah. Well, they find out they're like, well, hold on, it's a thousand dollars, or it's like, right, it's like a, it's like an NBA player, and they're like, hey, those shoes, that's a five thousand dollar fine a game, but Nike's paying them a million a game. Fuck it, I'll, I'll, I'll pay that five thousand all day, all day, and all day. And I like the, and I like the publicity of the fine. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh yeah. It promotes me. What? Well, it, People it's... are like, hey, he's a tough guy. He's he's going against them, and. There was the there was the Norwegian women's volleyball team, and they were wearing little tidy whiteies out on the on the on the sand, and they got fined like fifteen hundred euros per girl. So I called my attorney in Norway. They were the first ones who hired me to lecture when I came out of jail. I said I'll pay the fine for all the girls. I'll pay everything. <laughs> because they're doing God's work. It's <laughs> doing God's work, right? You know, but- it, I got. I got to step in here and right or wrong. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, it's. It, remember the Super Bowl when you had uh, Janet Jackson mm-hmm. or oh, have that malfunction. Wardrobe yeah, malfunction. Got, I mean, but what happened with her? Her career was pretty much flatlined, and boom, she's now something. But everyone does this because the the excitement, the 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 um, the fact that you can have a controversy makes you more likable and more important so i think with hillary clinton and barack obama and, and tim geithner that turbo tim these guys not, not one bank was prosecuted by the way during the financial crisis yeah. Let, let's remember that not with one. eric holder not one but yet you got the whistleblower boy you guys are fucking really dick tracy you know the top top notch guys and on top of that uh, Eric Holder was the guy who pardoned Mark Rich, who recommended that to uh, Bill Clinton. Mark Rich's attorney, by the way, had an account at UBS, sir, uh, Bob Tomagen. He was our neighbor down in St. Bart's with my father. Yeah. I mean, it's in my book. It's it's all there. And it, it's just incredible. So if you had gotten Mark Rich and didn't give him the pardon, you would have had his attorney, Bob Tomagen, who had about $20 million at UBS, sir. Yeah. It's Right. And the other thing about the fines is like for sports, it you know, comes across as like, right, good publicity, bad boy image for banks. They love it because it can look like, all right, shit, you got us. Yeah, we really hit them hard. We find them this much. Well, that looks great because it deflects from the, well, how much money are they making on those uh, number to get? Exactly. And I will give you the best. There's two um, articles I'll give you. First one was an article which is on my, under UBS articles, it's the very first article from 2004 when I was working there, New York Times. And the article is very simple. It says, UBS fined $100 million for sending foreign exchange transactions to Cuba, Libya, and Iran, and Yugoslavia, but let's focus on Cuba, Libya, and Iran. Now I'm at my desk reading this, and I'm like, what the fuck's this? First of all, 100 million, Red lights go up and say, well, why 100 million? Why not 85.7 million or 103.2 million or whatever it is? Nobody says 100 million. It's just the round number. It doesn't make sense. Okay, that's the first problem. Some asshole with DOJ is trying to get his name in lights. Second thing is no one went to jail. Hmm, Okay. Now, what were they doing? They were sending millions of dollars to these 
by embargoed countries, which were, they were not allowed to do, to Cuba, Libya, and Iran. This is 2004. Okay. No one goes to jail. They give them a $100 million fine. Now, the Swiss National Bank had to know UBS was doing this because they clear monies out of Switzerland. It's like the Fed knows about all the banks. Okay. Who represents the U.S. interests in Cuba, Libya, and Iran? Switzerland. So if you indict UBS, you're indicting the Swiss government, which would never happen. And that's why the whole thing's corrupt. That article says it all. If you know what you're talking about, which I just said to you now, and the facts are there, you can check it yourself. This is exactly what's going on. Just find them some money, make it look good, and move on. Because we're doing all this other shit for you where you fucked up in Cuba, Libya, and Iran. Oh, really? How how nice. It gets better. The smoking gun. Thank you, Julian Assange, who I met at the Ecuadorian embassy twice. Twice. And I know they were bugged. And I know the CIA and MI5 was across the street. And I gave him the finger walking out. Yeah, fuck you. And I gave him 10 grand cash. People say, well, well, you, you, well how can you do that? I can give anybody I want money. You can do whatever the fuck you want, yeah. Nothing, no, no, no law against that. Yeah. I, I figured, and he said, well, why are you doing this? And I said, you know, I'm doing it for a very simple reason. I said, uh, there was a document on, on your um, files you released and I put on my website. He slid it across the table. And I looked at it. I said, yeah, that's the one. It's on my website. You know what this cable is? It's a CIA cable. I asked my friends at the CIA. Went through the State Department and all this crap. And it's a one-pager. And no one ever expected to see this document. And in it, Hillary Clinton talks about settling the UBS case for political reasons. We need a political solution. Quote, unquote, says it three times in the, in the one-page memo. Do you know how they settled the case? They said, now this isn't Barack Obama, dickhead Obama, who thinks he's a smart guy, but he's not a smart guy. He's just a fucking fool. He takes two Chinese Uyghurs Mm -hmm. from Guantanamo Bay and sends them to Switzerland to settle the UBS case. Please tell me how that has anything to do, any nexus whatsoever to international tax evasion and securities fraud. You You give me the optics of I'm reducing the number of occupants in Guantanamo. Exactly. They're all jerking each other off. Right. Two fucking clowns that were fucking put there for the wrong reasons anyways. This document, and it's on, it's on my website. You go read it. It's, 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 it's shocking. The guy, should be in, the guy should have been put in jail, Obama, for this. Because what, in fact, he did was he covered his own ass. Now it gets better. When I went to the U.S. Senate Permanent Subcommittee on Investigations, and I testified behind closed doors, there was a senator, Obama, who never attended those meetings. He was on the committee. You can go check it yourself. He was running for president. I'll give him a pass. Sure. But you know, at the same time, Thomas, what he was doing? He was taking millions of dollars in political campaign contributions from the chairman of UBS, Robert Wolf. So I call that treason. It, it, go, go look up the definition of treason. Helping an enemy, foreign domestic. He was taking money from the guys that he was supposed to be investigating criminally in the Senate, and he didn't show for those meetings. And then at the other side, he's taking the money. And then the day I get sentenced in Florida, on August 19th, 2009, he's playing golf with Robert Wolf and Martha's family. It's my mom's birthday. Happy birthday, Mom. Sorry it was a terrible day for you. But you're right. He's playing golf with the head of him. Playing golf with the chairman of UBS when you should have been investigating him? 
He is the biggest piece of shit on this planet. I would say it to anybody, Democrat or Republican. I say it all the time. Say, oh, why do you say it about? I said, please get your facts straight before you start to criticize me. This guy is a fraud. I call him Obama fraud. That's what he is. He's a fraud. Eric Holder pardons Mark Rich. Tim Geithner can't even pay his own taxes. Hillary Clinton, I mean, the, the list goes on and on for her. And this is the fucking four musketeers that screwed Americans. Every single American got screwed. Yeah, that's great. It, it, you're right. I mean, it's like the, what, was it 16 pages or 17 pages from the 9-11 commission that were redacted all about Saudi Arabia, our oil buddies, and then what, uh, Bush uh, Bush flew them out of the country on a private plane right after 9-11 when all flights were literally under threat of being shot down by NORAD. Just And that, that no one's even talking about, what was it, who, Bandar smoking a cigar in the West Wing with on like September 12th? What the yeah. fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? And, 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 and you say to yourself, you know, go back to Bush Sr. He was no fucking angel. No. There's facts. Poppy, head of the he CIA. Was, dude, he was asked, where were you the day John F. Kennedy got killed? And he I says, don't, I don't I remember. don't remember. He was in Dallas. He was you, in the same hotel. Oh, yeah, I was in Dallas. Oh, I forgot about that. These guys, are, see, it just goes on and on. Ted Kennedy. The fucking trap I mean, the list goes on. Democrat, Republicans—they're all frauds. Oh yeah, it's it's that's it's it's a uh, uh, James G. Zangleton, head of CIA counterintelligence, who had a document on Lee Harvey Oswald. Well, that makes sense. Starting in 1959. What? Four what? years prior? Yeah. Why? Huh? Yeah. That's huh? That's very odd. And then when later questioned about it. Uh, I believe in one of his testimonies, it was, did the company, the CIA, did the company whack Jack? Did, did the CIA kill JFK? To which he said, and I'm paraphrasing, but almost verbatim, the agency, the CIA, is a large mansion. I know not what is in every room. A simple no would have sufficed, but I mean, right. <laughs> what, a, what a creepy fucking way to say, yeah, yeah, we shot the sitting president. Yeah, but, it, you know, what song and dance is that? And there, I was just in Greece with a good friend of mine. He's a CIA whistleblower, uh, John Kiriakou. You've got to get him on your show. He's a great can guy. Can you get him he's on? He's the one who exposed the waterboarding. I've heard, yeah. No, I, yeah, yeah. Can you, can you get him and then what's the other, uh, the, the Bernie Madoff Thomas guy? Thomas Drake? Can you get those two guys? Do you think you yeah. can get them on here? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah, and, so I'm with him you know, on this boat. We went. Uh, he's Greek American, and I. Um, they put him in jail because he exposed the waterboard. He said, "This is illegal. We can't be doing this." And once again, Obama put more whistleblowers in jail combined than all presidents prior. So, John told me some stories, and there was a woman. Her, her son, I believe, lives in Boston. He's a psychiatrist. They wrote a book. Called, her name was Mary, I forget her last name. Anyways, she was having an affair with John F. Kennedy. Uh -huh. and, and what happened was she wrote a diary. Mm -hmm. And she was staying at um, uh, the um, oh, the head of the Washington Post at the time, Bill Bradley. Staying in his home in Washington, in Georgetown. And one day she went down to have lunch with a friend and she got tapped twice in the head, mm -hmm. right on the river. Mm -hmm. He told his friend, there's a book about it. Yeah. And... John called the guy in Arizona. He's now dead. 
He was an arts guy. And he said, you don't mention my name, I'll kill you. He said, go fuck yourself. Don't fucking threaten me, you asshole. You fucking tap somebody. And you, then the head of the CIA was in that night in Bill Bradley's garage at 10 o'clock at night. And Bill Bradley caught him and said, what the fuck are you doing here? And he had the diary. James Jesus Angleton. I've had on Jefferson Morley, who wrote the book, The Ghost, about you. There's a whole chapter on that where it's like. Dude. Why, it's like, why is he? And it's just, and it's it, apparently it's Angleton there, like, oh, I was just perusing. And it's like, you're just what perusing. What are you doing in my garage at 10 o'clock at night? That's almost as weird as smoking a cigar with uh, Prince Bandar the day after 9 11. Exactly. You got it. Things that and make see, you go, hmm. <laughs> and, and they can't cover everything up. So then they get caught. They come up with some other song and dance. So I think the thing is, again, these books, uh, Ted Gump. The Book of Honor. That's a great book you should read. Um, actually, John knows him. I, I really want to meet him because I read his book several times, and it's a fantastic read. Why? Because he goes and investigates all the stars in Langley. You know, it just has a year and it's uh-huh. got a star yeah, for yeah, a fallen served in silence. Yeah. And they said, "Don't, uh, don't, don't write this book." I said, "No, I'm writing the book." And he wrote it. And boy, what a hit this was! Unbelievable. The Book of Honor by Ted Gupp, G-U-P. Anyways, it shows. You know, coffins that get exhumed and they're empty uh, of loved ones. I mean, all this bullshit. You know, this CIA is so out of control. And if and the way in which I say the CIA killed Kennedy with uh, probably some military guys is the CIA hired the mafia to kill Castro and couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Yeah. Why? But yet you could kill JFK in broad daylight in Dallas. Oh, I see. How convenient. But, you know, the mob, the mob had a lot of ties in this country, in the U.S. And the problem was Kennedy had burned a lot of bridges and so forth. And if anybody's going to sit here and tell me Oswald single bullet theory is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. I mean, the the, the, the witnesses that were murdered after this were, I mean, it was like eight trillion to one. It It was crazy. It's it's when you read more about Oswald, you realized just how insane he was. I mean, truly yeah. insane. Like, I mean, some of the things he used to do is he would run around his apartment, jumping on top of, jumping from like the ground on top of a couch, and you know, like a four-year-old. And when Marina Oswald asked him what he was doing, he said he was exercising his leg muscles so that if he ever decided to hijack an airplane, his leg muscles would be strong. It'd be one thing if he was just hitting the gym doing squats and that was yeah. his answer. That'd still be weird. But just run. And he, there was like one day he was just doing it. He just did it one day and was like, I just got to get the light. This guy was fucking nuts. Could he fire a gun? Right. Sure. Probably. Yeah, he could do it. Who Bullshit. couldn't? Anybody who was in the Marines shot a gun. Yeah. But why did he was in the Marines. Yeah. And then what didn't the head of the Secret Service tell the guys to get off the running boards on the side of the Cadillac that day? Huh. A little bit interesting. Why would you do that? Didn't JFK also, like a week prior, sign a bill about, you know, returning the U.S. dollar? Well, not returning, but he wanted to start issuing American notes backed by silver. That's a little odd. Didn't LBJ rescind that in the air with the coffin on the plane? Yeah, huh. exactly. Hasn't and, and every... just, weren't they going to shred the CIA into a thousand pieces? Splinter into a thousand work? pieces and cast it into the wind. Didn't give him the yeah. air support at the Bay of Pigs. Jeez. Oh, huh. wow. How interesting. Yeah. Huh. LBJ. And George yeah. Bush. Didn't 
know where it was. I know where I was when Ronald Reagan got shot. I was making a phone call to my mom at the dentist's office. That was just Ronald Reagan. I was 11 on 9-11. I remember sitting at a desk next to my friend Michael in Miss Carr's math class at Our Lady of the Assumption high school, or a middle school, fifth grade in Atlanta, Georgia. I mean, I remember when JFK Jr., right? That was the plane crash. I remember yeah, I was like, what year was that? 95, 96, 97? I was born in 90. I remember that. I remember watching TV and it came on and like even I recognized the name and I went and like told my mom. You don't know where you were? <laughs> when <laughs> I mean, what kind of bullshit line is that? And even Hoover said, Hoover even said, Bush is there in the hotel where the CIA is operating from. I mean, this is, and the Secret Service. I mean, it's a joke. You want to go down a rabbit hole. You know, so it's one thing that James Jesus Angleton had a file on uh, Lee Harvey four years before the assassination. J. Edgar Hoover had a file on Kennedy before World War II started. That's a I fucking mean, rabbit that... hole. Granted, the I... son of son of the Kennedy scion, sure, maybe you're just keeping tabs on you know any potential yeah. blackmail. I don't know, man. <laughs> but this is what happens. You know, people listen to our phone calls. They can listen to whatever they like. I mean, the problem is these guys are overpaid babysitters. Yeah, maybe they've done some good things, but you know something? The bad has outweighed the good, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I, look, I'm not unpatriotic. I'm not some communist i'm not some leftist wing guy i'm just saying hey call a spade a spade mm-hmm. you know something you guys gotta be real in a bit because you know you're off the reservation mm-hmm. and you've really fucked things up royally geez 9-11 is just one of them how about how about the how about the bombing up in boston the marathon i was at that you, i walked by the bombs weren't those guys weren't they didn't the kgb warn the fbi about these two guys saying yes. that they're like extremist nationals and the fbi was like i yeah, don't worry about it yeah don't worry yeah we we got it under control yeah you got it under control how about this how about this guy with the, the gymnast the female gymnast not nasser oh yeah i mean they told him about that too well they fucked that up how about the doj with senator stevens with that case and they were holding exculpatory evidence and the DNJ prosecutor hung himself because he got acquitted later. They had to throw out the judgment. And I, I called I called my attorney and said, we should have all kinds of ropes sent over the DOJ. Anybody wants to hang themselves, we'd be happy to provide the rope. <laughs> he goes, you can't do that. I said, yes, I can. Because it wouldn't be politically correct. I said, I really don't give a shit. I don't give a fuck. These, these prosecutors should kill themselves. And, and, and do us all service. Get, get, get out of the system because you're corrupt. The very fact that a guy would do that, that is your job to uphold the law and you're breaking the law. I don't even know where to go with that. I mean, you know what, what? I've had on uh, episode 161 or 162, Brigadier General Robert Spaulding, who was a pilot for a B-2 Spirit, you know, that's the $2 billion stealth bombers. And uh, he was on Obama's National Security Council. He wrote the book Stealth War about China waging a war against us, and we don't even know we're at war. And he talks about their Belt and Road Initiative, right, where they go in, make all these loans to third world nations, give them all this free uh, digital backbone infrastructure. And then inevitably, when the when these third world nations can't pay it back, they say, hey, don't worry about it. We're going to put a port in. And that is how they are building their own network of bases around the world. And their entire thing is monopolizing the 5G network so that they can tap in on everything and essentially have these countries under their thumb. When Brigadier General Robert Spaulding talked about that, he was kicked off the National Security Council. What the you fuck? Know, you know that page China took was from a book from a guy from Boston, and you got to read this book. It's called Confessions of an Economic Hitman. 
this is exactly what he did. He met with the Shah of Iran back in the 70s. He worked for, um, oh gosh, I forget the name of the company back in the 60s and 70s. And they would go around Malaysia and so forth, Africa, set up, you know, hydroelectric dams, mm -hmm. this and that. They couldn't pay it. They'd say, well, we got to hire our own people, come in here and take it over. And this is exactly what America did back in the 60s and 70s. And China took a page from that chapter. Confessions of an Economic Hitman, Tony Perkins or Thomas Perkins. Unbelievable book. you got to read it. It's exactly what you just said China is doing now. You know, building railroads, taking the mineral rights, this, that, and the other thing. So in my book, I start talking about, I, I talked to a guy named Walt Pavlo. And Walt... Um, writes for Forbes and he talks about prison reform and all this great guy so Walt says geez I got this whistleblower in Boston I said who is he, he says a psychiatrist I said Walt I don't have time for this shit I'm in Malta I really don't have time to talk to a psychiatrist about being a whistleblower he goes, no 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 listen I said okay what's his case he says look dude he um he's a psychiatrist for Hunter Biden I said what I said what do you mean he says, Hunter Biden lived with him for three months in 2018. I said, are you fucking kidding me? Don't pull my chain. This is crazy. He says, yeah, he knows everything about Hunter Biden because the guy lived with him for three straight months. I don't know relationships that last three months, let alone a client living with their psychiatrist. He gets better. I fly. You cannot believe it's in my book. The latest version of my book. I know. Oh, yeah. oh, you're, you're so I go down there. Then I go down and I testify to Senator Grassley's team. And I say, look, this guy's going to fucking be belly up. You better get him subpoenaed down here immediately. Uh, something's going to go wrong here. So we had met um, about three weeks before at Keith Ablo. Keith Ablo was the psychiatrist and so forth. Gave my book, blah, blah, blah. And he said he wanted to be a whistleblower. And he blew up these meetings. So I went and testified under oath for two hours. I fly back to Boston. Walt, my buddy who introduced me, calls me and says, you won't believe what happened. Turn on the TV. I said, what do you mean? He says, the DEA just raided his home. I said, raided his home? Why? So I called the Senate. I informed them. I said, see, this is what I'm telling you. This is what's going on. What did they do? They took the notes, the diary, and the laptop. And that's the end of that. Three days after I testified at the U.S. Senate. Are you kidding me? It's crazy. You know, it's this stuff in a kind of a beautiful way. It's uh, it, it's led me back to like faith because everything implies something else, right? We're doing a podcast right now, so that implies that an hour ago we weren't doing a podcast, right? This water bottle is almost empty, impl implying that it used to be full. When you see horrendous evils and unjustness, to me that implies the inverse. If that evil can exist, then there has to be good. That's the only way I stay sane with all of this is I'm like, if there's this amount of evil, right? If there's a Marianas Trench, then there's a Mount Everest. If there's a dark night, then there's a sunny July day. The only thing I get out of this is I go, well, then that means there's got to be good. And some people might say, that's optimistic. That's the only thing keeping me from going insane. So I'll take it. <laughs> but <laughs> and, 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 and hopefully you'll find that. I mean, that goodness might be in Bangladesh or sure. in... Um... Joburg or whatever. But I agree with what you're saying is that there's there's two ends of the spectrum. Why do you think they created heaven and hell? I mean, to scare people and say, well, if you're good, you go to heaven. If you're bad, you go to hell. Okay. This was, you know, um, ancient times. Today, there are some good people, but the problem is whistleblowing, this is the core argument, is that 
I said, I said it all my meetings. I said, just, you don't need whistleblowers if you stop breaking the fucking law. It's simple. End of story. Door closed. Put a lock on it. Throw it in the ocean. But unfortunately, every industry, and there was a report done, every industry has 20 to 30% corruption. Construction, military, finance, medical, legal. It's all there. And it's been proven. You've seen it. And my point is, I think we need more whistleblowers. And that's why I'm promoting this more and more. And I've been doing a lot of work and probably opening up an office internationally, which will be a global presence to say, we're here to change the laws. We're here to protect whistleblowers. We're here to pay whistleblowers. But if you don't like it, you know, lump it. Sorry. But the thing is, that's the only thing that holds these people accountable. Mm-hmm. And now everybody, the buzzword around the world is whistleblower, whistleblower. Well, I was one of the first ones and certainly the biggest one on the crime. I mean, we brought back $25 billion and counted. One guy. A whole, think about the money that left the Swiss banks, came back to American banks, gets invested and taxed through perpetuity. Think mm-hmm. about that. Oh, God, I didn't get any food baskets from the IRS. But, uh, you know, I've done all this work. And, you know, you think they could give me the credit and say, hey, this is the guy that really made it happen. But they can't even, they can't even come to grips and mention, oh, well, he went to jail. Well, no shit, because he fucking ganged up on me. A conspiracy charge? Are you fucking joking? It's... I didn't hide shit. And that's why they won't give me my Senate testimony, which exonerates me. And that's where they're, they're, they're full of shit. But, you know, I'll spend the millions of dollars you gave me. Thanks for that check. I appreciate it. It's, it's, I mean, it's enough to drive you insane, but, you know, I look, I do look at something like what you did or like what Snowden did or Assange, right? Just how much of a ruckus one person can make. You start to realize that this facade of the impenetrable deep state that controls and sees everything, they control and see a lot. Sure. That military industrial intelligence complex, it ain't something to, you know, to ignore. It can, it's a machine, but when just one person can really do this much damage, you realize, Oh man, like the odds are on our side. It just takes people to nut up. And how much more is out there? Oh yeah. And that's the real question. You got to ask yourself, say, wait a minute, maybe there's more out there that really hits home. And I keep trying to tell people, you don't understand. You're only scratching the surface. And I've always said to people, look at the ripple effect of an action. The ripple effect of my action has been paramount in changing tax treaties, changing the way in which people report, money movements, and so on and so forth. But they still didn't do it right. I mean, fast as a joke, that's that's the wrong way to go. They should have done things differently. Differently in the sense that they should have talked to whistleblowers and said, what do you think would be the best mechanism to enforce this going forward? Now, Americans overseas can't even open bank accounts. The banks say, fuck it, we don't want you. It's a mess. It, uh... Because they've moved so stringent. And and one of the quotes that's great about Assange, this is a great quote. This, I just pulled it up here. He says, when exposing a crime is treated as committing a crime, you're being ruled by criminals. Yeah. Or how about Vol- <laughs> how about Voltaire? To find out who rules over you, simply find out who you can't criticize. 
Exactly. It's a it's just exactly. it's a metal detector. You go, let's see. Talk. I can talk about it. I can make up any conspiracy I want. The shape shifting reptilians did nine eleven. That stays up there, huh? The vaccines seem like they're maybe killing a lot more people than they're telling us. Banhammer. Well, there it is. There it is. Yeah, There's exactly. the. I found it. Right. I found it. Knocking on the walls. You hit it there. There's the safe. I found the safe. There it is. Right. Yep, it's exactly. I mean. And I think this, this this gives us a great lesson. The lesson in life here is, sadly, who do you trust? Now we certainly don't trust the media. We don't trust the politicians. We certainly don't trust maybe our employers in certain cases where people feel. Um, neglected or set up or what have you. So I think in the end, you really begin to for me, I don't read the paper anymore. Yeah. I don't watch the news. Um, sometimes I just get on the internet and just, just make sure the world's not melting. But beyond that, I could care less. I really could care less because you know why? No matter how hard you try, no matter how much you work at it, they're going to stifle you. Or, or or give you wrong information. I've spoken to Carter Page. This guy got screwed. And I said, Carter, you know, you can't sue these guys. You can, but you know, your damages, the judges are going to award you a lot of damages. You might get you for emotional distress and all that, but you were a mid-level guy. I mean, no offense. I mean, that's the problem. What they should say is punitive damages are huge because they, they, they blackballed the guy. Why isn't Christopher Steele in jail? He interfered in a U.S. election. Why isn't he in jail? This is bullshit. It's insanity. It's, it's you know, listening to that book about Jeffrey Epstein really got me thinking, and you just hit on it. It's how much more is out there. And I think of, so I looked it up and found the name, the first concentration camp that was liberated. I'd never even heard of it before. It was Ordruf, O-H-R-D-R-U-F, Ordruf, right? <laughs> It's got to be insane, right? You're you're a GI, you're going there, and you find it right, emaciated Jews, and they're all in these matching uniforms with numbers on their arms. What the fuck is this thing? Well, the fact that you didn't know it existed one morning and then it existed that evening, the next question is, is, is there more than one? And you got to think, this was evil enough, man. I don't know if there can be more. And then you start going, this wasn't even the big one. This wasn't Auschwitz-Birkenau. This wasn't Bergen-Belsen. This wasn't Helmno. This wasn't Dachau. Dachau. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you start looking, you go, oh, oh, the, oh, the Treblinka. Oh, there's there's a network. And the mind almost starts to say, yeah, it can't be. That can't be. It's because it, what does it imply? This wasn't an accident. This wasn't a one-time thing. The railroads, the numbers, the, they were using hammers to knock the gold teeth out of the Jews while their bodies were still warm after the Cyclone B had evaporated. Your mind almost starts to shut down, right? It's, yeah. It starts because to Because you can't digest it, right? You can't. You can't. And my uncle, um, he was the highest-ranking general in the state of Connecticut. Uh, he fought in Iwo Jima and Okinawa. General E. Donald Walsh, great guy. Hard as nails, old school. And he used to take me to the officers club. I met astronauts and this and that, okay. and all that kind of stuff. And he made a statement to my father once. I'll never forget listening to it. And he said, you know, my dad asked about the nuclear bomb, you know, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And what he had said to my father was very interesting. It's not his own. I'm sure many people have said it. Here's the point. Back then, you got to turn the clocks back. Would you have dropped the bomb on the white race was it easier to drop it on the yellow race now 
Pearl Harbor was a big deal, and there was a lot of animosity. We entered the war because of it. Maybe we needed to. The whole idea of Pearl Harbor was a setup, it sounds like now. A lot of information has come out that just shows that they knew it was going on. They put the old fleet and, there. They put them all next yeah, to each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah, I mean, really? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, come on. Just, but the carriers were just out of Pearl. Yeah, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. But, but if Hitler had the bomb, London would be gone, right? You agree with that, I mm-hmm, think. Mm-hmm. Uh, he told one of his generals to burn Paris, and he refused the order. But yet, we dropped the bomb on the Yellow Race. Now, would we have dropped it on Hitler in Berlin? <laughs> Who knows? You know, I never thought the, about that. The Yellow the, Race. The question's always, should we have dropped it? But you're right. Would we have dropped it on anyone else? Exactly. Wiped out Berlin? Berlin would have been fucking evaporated? I mean, they would have won the war overnight. But the war was pretty much over then. It was the Japanese who were not surrendering. So we we hit Hiroshima, which was the place that built the planes that hit Pearl, ironically. I mean, the history is fascinating. But then they hit Nagasaki. I mean, they didn't think we had a second one. What, you, gonna, you want a third dose? So, I mean, the, the Japanese were really violent people. I mean, they just totally raped and pillaged all of Asia. So I don't shed a tear, per se, over the over dropping the bomb because more GIs would have died. Let's just be called the spade a spade. I always, I always, sorry to interrupt. I always use this argument. My dad's dad was 18. He was going to be sent over for the mainland invasion. Nothing special. 18. Let's call it what it is. He would have been mowed down stepping out of the troop transports. I can't yep. have any other argument because I won't exist to argue if that didn't happen. So, but sorry, yeah. sorry, go on. It, uh, uh, no, 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 but you're right. I mean, so I, we, we sort of go and touch upon these tangents of, you know, I think what we're talking about here between, say, Swiss banks and maybe wars and so forth is that the, the underhandedness that goes on within our society, whether it's, and I say this to people, this is the other thing I say to people. I say, um, is anyone here who's got kids? I said, yeah, you've got kids. I said, miss, you've got some children? Yes, I do. I said, um, do you tell them to steal candy from the store? She goes, no. I said, do you tell them to cheat on their exams at school? She goes, no. So uh, do you tell them to punch their student when they're playing football or soccer or whatever? She goes, no. I said, that's very good. I said, why do you do that? She said, well, I want to raise my child properly. Very good answer. Now, can I? can you answer another question for me? If you're telling your children not to do this, why the hell do you do it in society as adults? You tell the children not to do it, but yet you're doing it. I mean, if you're doing bad stuff at a job, not her personally, sure, but you know sure, what I mean. Sure. So we tell the children not to do these things. Don't steal, don't cheat, don't don't punch. But yet in society, we're, we're taking the kickbacks, we're doing the accounting fraud, we're doing the bank fraud, we're doing the medical fraud, we're doing that. Well, you know, you're 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 a hypocrite and you're a double double line bastard. So that's really the essence of what we're confronted with. The the innocence of young children, oh, we have to protect them, but yet we're not doing this, we're not practicing what we preach with our children if you have children. So I think the problem we have is how do you eradicate that? And the only way to eradicate it in society is the cops are going to say we're under budget, we, we're corrupt, or we don't have the staff, or blah, blah, blah. Yeah, okay, dog ate my homework. Bring in a whistleblower. Bring in 10 whistleblowers. And then They'll give you the story from A to Z. They won't cherry pick it. Like I didn't cherry pick it. I gave the fucking full Monty. And that's what they didn't like because all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, now we're screwed. Oh, so you're going to blame me for working there for four years when you were doing this for fucking a hundred years. Really? It's, you know, it's like a uh, Project Veritas. 
be brave, do something. You know, it's a, a lot of people don't like them and I don't give a shit, that's your freedom to have your own opinion. But the one thing I, I always like about them is they just get a video. There's no, right, there's no, <laughs> there's no he said, she said. It's like, I'm looking at a video right now of a guy saying X, Y, Z. Right? I remember one from, uh, was it Scott Fogel? I don't know how the fuck I remember his name. From 2016 on Hitler's campaign talking about how they were tricking mentally ill people to into like rioting on behalf of BLM. And it's this guy laughing going, we're getting these mentally ill people. And I remember posting that and I was furious. I lost a brother to suicide in 2014, mental illness. And I remember posting that and I was like, this, this really is touching home because to utilize someone like that for political gain. And I remember someone said, uh, well, James O'Keefe heavily, heavily edits his video. And I said, go to two minutes and 46 seconds on the screen. Yep. Is there this individual? What words came out of that individual's at a certain point you go, what am I looking at right now? But I mean, 1984, the final, the party's final and most important command was to not believe what your eyes and ears told you. So right now, I'm talking to, I'm talking to Mr. Bradley here. Well, Tommy, we don't know that's him. No, he's sitting here, and you know, I can, I can see a curtain behind him, and Tommy's here with an American flag. Yeah, but you know, some people say it's a Chinese flag, and it's what do your eyes tell you? It's right here. And if they can't wake up to that, then you know what? It's right, Alexander what, Sol- Solonichkin, the Gulag Archipelago, or Yuri Bezmenov, right? Active measures. There's no amount of evidence you can show someone who's been successfully brainwashed. And they won't know until they feel the boot on their neck and the gates to the labor camp close. And by then it's too late. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it is what you said. It's, and it sounds so cheesy, but it is so simple. You do have to be the change you want to see in the world, right? I'm trying to turn this podcast into a big thing. And it's at 5,000 subscribers I was having on, you know, Robert Malone. We're talking about, you know, the vaccine or Peter McCullough. And I'm getting these emails, you know, you have one strike. If you do this again, you know, you get three strikes, you're gone. So I have on a second doctor and it's, you have two. And I'm looking at this and I'm going, I'm about to nuke my little channel that I'm I'm protecting this thing in the rain. And or, you know, it's a you know, I'm trying to protect this fire in the rain and I'm and I'm doing it and I'm doing episodes above my parents garage and I'm getting bigger and bigger and bigger guests. And then finally, I'm confronted with this test where it's like. Can I. Can I can I do what I what I stand for? Can I do what I say? Everyone can I practice what I preach? And you know, I could very easily say I got to stop having on these doctors, guys. I'm trying to turn this into a big pot. But somebody else should blow the whistle. No, yeah, I, so I uploaded the video and got banned, and now I'm back down to 300 subscribers after a year and a half of building up to 5,000. Really? Oh yeah, no, it's dude, it's a it's a fucking pain in the ass. I literally started this above my parents' garage while working at a liquor store. And uh, the thirty years, as I told you, you know, I got into medical school, yeah. decided not to go, lost a brother to suicide, and then I moved home in twenty sixteen to my parents' house because I was suicidal. My life was going downhill, drugs, alcohol, got really fat, you know, the whole nine yards. Long story short, started this podcast in December 2019 above my parents' garage on a laptop, just screaming like an idiot, and uh, built it up, built it up, built it up, and finally, I, you know, I put out an episode one day, not that you asked any of this, it's like episode 150, I was like, hey, I'm smart enough to get into medical school, um, I'm smart enough to turn this podcast into a big thing, but right now I don't have any time, and my parents are trying to retire and kick me the fuck out, and uh, I was like, will <laughs> someone just pay for my apartment? It gives, will somebody get me an apartment for three years? And then in turn, if I become a the ex Joe Rogan, you'll get half. It just so happened that 
a wealthy guy found my podcast, loved it, and was like, fuck yeah, I'd be interested. So now I'm in an apartment paid for by the podcast on the hope that this thing gets monetized. So you can see there's actual, like, it wasn't just, oh, I hope this podcast succeeds. If this doesn't work, I'm fucked. But I practice what I uh, what I preach, and I, I got banned for it, and uh, I'm proud of this. Well, good for you, and kudos to you on that, because in essence, what you're doing is you're fighting, you're standing up for what you believe in. The gentleman that helped you out, hey, I'll get him my book. I'd be happy to get him my book and show this is the kind of thing that Thomas is backing. A, a guy who took risk, had the courage. I lived overseas. I did something the U.S. government couldn't do in 100 years. I did it. And then you attacked me? So what does that say about the mantra of the DOJ or the U.S. government towards anyone? I don't give a shit where you come from, whether you come from a rich or a poor family or religious or non-religious. The point I I had to come to grips with was I said that to my dad and he had passed. He passed away last year. And I said to him, I said, you know, I had to do what I did. And he goes, you were right. You know, a lot of people will criticize you. And I didn't do it for the money because if you look at the law, the law was passed a year and a half after yeah. I did my whistleblowing. Yeah. So all these assholes are out there jealous and saying shit about me. I had nothing. I gave up everything. But I did it. I quit my job. And then I went to the government. On my dime, I flew to the U.S. And then they fucking attacked me. So the whole thing is now I'm attacking them. Every chance I get to attack DOJ, I do and I, I do it religiously. I send books randomly to the DOJ. I just pick a name out of a hat and send my book. And happy reading. I send it to IRS, SEC. Just send it over there. I go to conferences. People like walk away from me like I'm kryptonite. I'm like, I'm not going to bite you. Relax. No one's got the balls around here. Grow a set. And that's what I've realized is I begin to see people so weak and so lame. Look, I grew up in Boston. I played ice hockey. I know how it is. I had two older brothers. I put up a lot of shit in my life. Hey, you know, um, if, if you if you if you can't handle it, fucking move on. Be a big boy. You know, I, I got pushed down and I got back up again. That's the way the world is. But all these people today are so complacent, Thomas. I mean, this is the thing where your your energy is like my energy. It's a positive energy moving forward here. And I tell you, we're going to be doing much more. So I'm, I'll, yeah. I'll be very eager to come back on your Fuck show. Yeah. I'm so more. excited, man. That's yeah, great. And my website's updated constantly. So I have and events there where I lecture I, and all that. So. I will put the and for everybody listening, I'll put the website in the description as as always, and I'll put in the I'll put in the Audible book. And um, yeah, man, no, I'm I'm this this podcast went exactly as I hoped it would go, and I was just like just listening to your book, you can kind of get like a certain feel for people. And I was just like, man, I'm going to go. It's not with every guest can you start whipping out like, you know, they knew about Pearl Harbor and James Jesus Angleton, right? <laughs> Sometimes you got to be measured. You got to feel them out. And you're like, this guy's a professor. We're sticking to the facts. Sometimes yep. you pull out the whole, you know, uh, you know, they had papers on, on Lee Harvey Oswald five years before. Right? <laughs> if I can, if I can, if I can vibe with conspiracies and start yelling about the CIA with someone to me, I'm like, all right. All right. <laughs> but I'll back it up. And, and here's the thing. What, what proves my story is, um, beyond, above and beyond everything else, is nobody would publish my book in America. Yeah. I was at, I, I remember I was at St. Martin's Press and I said, um, and I had it vetted by uh, literary attorneys in, in New York. And they said, we're going to need 18 months. I said, you don't, you don't listen very well. I told you I wanted out before the 2016 election. And they had like a year. 
oh, no, no, we're going to need 18 months. I said, you know, it's very simple. You're fired. And I walked right out the door because they were all Clinton supporters. And I'll end your podcast on this note, and I'll send you an email of a document, which was on DonaldJTrump.com. Donald J. Trump had a website with all kinds of things, and he had four quotes there. And the four quotes quoted an article from July 30th, 2015, in the Wall Street Journal by James Grimaldi. And it talked about the Clinton corruption and their ties and all the stuff. Well, my attorney and I met with James Grimaldi in Miami, Florida. He gave him that article, but kept my name out of it. So that article was then used by Donald Trump on his website to come up with the term crooked Hillary. Fuck. And yeah. that's a fact. That's the mic drop. That is the, that's the fuck, mic drop. fuck yeah. Dude, it's. I'm going to send you the four quotes. You can see it. Ed Henry yeah. Fox and then James Grimaldi, James Grimaldi, James Grimaldi. And my name doesn't appear. That's because I didn't want my name touching that article. But yet, I'm in the background, and I'm just—I got the bellows on the fire, and I'm heating it up. It. And that's where crooked Hillary comes from. And I, I'm telling you, if that didn't stick like glue, and thank God she didn't win. I'm not saying Trump is like the best in sliced bread, but you know something? When he says something, he does it. And he wasn't part of that a political elite. He had never held public office. Sure, he's going to make mistakes. If you or I were president, I'd make mistakes. How about this? When you have to appoint an ambassador, there's 192 appointments you have to make. I don't have 192 friends, let alone appointing, oh, you're the ambassador, Thomas, to Ireland. Uh, uh, your friend Mike will be Hungary. The other one to South Africa. I, that, that's a full-time job. That's just the ambassadorships. What about, geez, um, uh, Federal Reserve, um, um, uh, you know, you've got uh, the military, you've got economics, you've got Congress, you've got all these other issues pending. And you're telling me that a guy who's never held public office did a pretty good job where they attacked him from day one when he came in. Why? Because Hillary didn't win. That's why. And they were bitter. Yeah. Pelosi and all these people, bitter. Yeah. That's I remember I remember thinking when he got in, I was like the one thing that first kind of started to turn me on to him is I was like, I've never in my short life, I've never seen both parties attack one person so vehemently. Exactly. And I was like, that's that's what's getting interesting is I was like, I've never it's always one or the other. Right. It's the puppet show when they were all like, fuck this guy. I was like, well, well, then I want to hear him out. <laughs> you know, it's it's Yeah. It's remember when Trump said to Bush, he said, well, they, they attacked 9-11 on your watch. No wonder they didn't like it. And they didn't want to invite him when his father died. Well, fuck you. Bury the old fuck. It's like what uh, it's like what Bill Burr said about Trump. Bill Burr's like, you know, up until you know Trump, he goes, everyone, the media kind of controlled it. It was because they could just slander or they could put a halo above anyone. But what Trump made everyone realize was this cage that the media had was actually just kind of like a square made out of tape. And all Trump did was step outside of it. And people realized, oh, it wasn't an iron cage. It was just a line on the floor. And they went, you know, you called Rosie O'Donnell or you called women fat pigs. He's like, just Rosie. And everyone realized they're like, you know, they're like, oh, fuck. He's not playing the game. And why do you call the virus the China virus? Uh, because it originated there. Well, much That's like the West, Nile, the West Nile, the virus. West Nile virus. Ebola, uh, SARS, <laughs> uh, Spanish flu. 
the Spanish should be up in arms. Oh my God. I mean, it just, there's, it lacks common sense, Thomas. And this is, these points are so riveting. Why? Because as, as, as Trump did, the one thing I think he did better than anyone was when the government was shut down and Pelosi was about to take the big triple <laughs> yeah. uh, Your trip has been postponed. I had that letter printed on my refrigerator door like an A for effort. I love this letter beyond belief. There, to, yes, that's <laughs> it's just the, the the amount of shit that you know people. There is like an undercurrent where you got to go. We're never gonna have a shit poster meme president again it it can't be done just like the fact that you just see him and he's like kim jong-un's fat and stupid and you're like what world are we and it's fucking hilarious (laughs) what i did want to say is is yeah we'll wrap this one up and i'll email you we'll set up another one is where where was where was the the bank you worked was it zurich zurich Uh, it was headquartered in zurich and i worked in geneva man I was gonna say. Oh, dude. I was gonna say. Yeah. I was gonna say we should fucking we should do an episode. We should go get like a collapsible table and just go with them in the background and just talk. Oh, no, about- we can't go into Switzerland, dude. They will just pull some shit. They'll plant drugs on us. Something. Oh, that's the day I'll learn that I raped someone that I didn't even know. I'll oh, be like, oh wow, I. The day I, <laughs> but I just. Dude, I, I don't trust these guys. As uh, far we can do it across the border. You know, we do it. We do it on Lake Geneva on a boat. <laughs> And, and, and on the French side, and I can tell you, I mean, I have to say, I'm going to send you two things. I'm going to send you the um, Crook and Hillary, the four articles on DonaldJTrump.com, and I'm going to send you the letter <laughs> I put in the Swiss newspaper the day before the annual meeting of this year. Man, I, I got so much attention. People were like, you have got some fucking balls. I said, why are people paying for this when they did nothing wrong? The Swiss taxpayers are getting fucked. The UBS shareholders are getting fucked. The clients, the colleagues. Why? Oh man, you know yeah, yeah. it's it's like it's like I think it's Charlie Brown. It, I don't know. It might have been Charlie Brown. If something can be destroyed by the truth, it deserves to be destroyed by the truth. Exactly. If, if it can get fucked by just talking about it, then it needs to get gangbanged. Just let it, it happen. Let it happen. Get it. <sighs> This was fucking awesome, man. Thank you so much. And as you have no choice, you're going to be a recurring guest because this was fucking incredible. This was fun as shit, man. Your book. I'm just having a brain fart right now. Lucifer's Banker, uncensored. I'll put it in the description. Get it on Audible. Lucifer'sBanker.com. The website's there. Um, Maybe we should get together in the States when I go back that way. Dude, please do. And then we can both be killed by a CIA car bomb together. But, hey, it'd be an honor. <laughs> it'd be an honor. I had on Malone. I had on the the head of the Soviet bioweapon program who defected to the U.S. Now I'm having on you. We'll all get together so one Hellfire missile can come and hit us. But, no, in all seriousness, dude, I'd fucking love to. I would love to hang out with you. That'd be the coolest shit ever. And, um... Thank you so much. Narrator, by the way, of your book, Fantastic Narrator, for everyone listening, all the audio files. It's a fantastic book. It's a great listen. It's fucking hilarious. And it's the it's the winning arc parallel to uh, Wolf of Wall Street. It's all the same insanity, but you walked away with a check for $104 million, whereas this verse, Belfort's got to do podcasts to pay back the people he fucked. So uh, I don't know. Exactly. I don't know. Which one do you think's a winner? So Bradley Birkenfeld, thank you, sir. God damn it, that was awesome. I will send you the link when it's up. And um, 
send me all the shit and we'll set up another episode and i'm just so excited thank you so much man thomas thank you buddy have a great weekend man you as well thank you so much god bless Recording america everybody stopped. stay safe peace